0: when you hold yourself to account for being, you know, size, whatever, like what, what are you holding yourself accountable for? And, and what would it mean to give yourself some grace and, and what would it look like to actually eat in a way that honored yourself? Um, and, and actually it's possible that you're already doing that, but you're holding yourself to some completely unattainable standard. And that's introducing all this distress and stress in your life, maybe you don't even need what if you just let it go what would that look Mm. like
1: fear stops us from achieving our true greatness are you a professional woman who is feeling stuck unmotivated or burned out are you worried about your wellness are you letting fear stop you from crushing your goals if you answered yes Did you know that I'm on YouTube as well? You can find me at Charmaine Gregory MD. See you there. There. Hello, 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 Fearless Freedom tribe. It's Dr. G and we are here for another episode of Fearless Freedom with Dr. G. And today we have all the way from Toronto, Canada, Ashley White. So Ashley, you got to tell us all about yourself and what you're up to. Awesome. Hi, Dr. Dr. Gregory,
0: Dr. G. Um, I'm a physician and I work in Canada. Um, and like you, I'm an emergency room physician uh, by trade. And I spent a lot of time prior to that as a family doctor um, working with people who are dealing with metabolic disease. So people who are dealing with sort of the chronic strain and wear and tear of the kinds of things we do, right? We sit all day. Um, we spent a lot of time thinking and not a lot of time moving and that, you know, accumulates into a lot of inflammation and, and stress on the body. Right. And then, you know, the world is not a particularly easy place right now. Uh, and you put all that together and you have people coming into my office saying, you know, listen, I'm not, I'm not feeling great. Um, and I've got this extra weight and what do I do with this extra weight? And then that, sort of put me on a journey of trying to understand, well, what is it right that I do with extra weight? And, and I'm a person also in a larger body. I'm a person who also grew up having my body and weight stigma be a really part of my a huge part of my experience of my life. Um, and so I said, you know, not only do we have some of the the health concerns that come with you know the disease of being sedentary, um, we also have the stigma um that people in larger bodies live with when they try to move about the world and that stigma can be really debilitating and I I believe that the stigma of being in a larger body kind of drives the pathology I think it it drives some of the exclusion that we see in people particularly people of color and particularly women of color who um often are are not you know allowed to belong in certain spaces at certain sizes um and I think that's Really, a huge part of um, the healing process, which is about understanding that the culture we live in, diet culture, has been hugely influential um, on the stories that you tell yourself about your body and the stories about where you belong, where you believe you belong. And so I thought, well, you know, let's zoom out here. Um, I'm really interested in building a system that helps people recognize that um, being in the culture that we're, we're in is part of why they think poorly about their bodies. Um, And then also equipping them with a a mechanism, a a framework for thinking about eating experiences so that people can bring their eating experiences in line with their values and who they are as people. Um, And when you do that, you can just feel better about the food that you eat and how you eat it. Um, This is, it's not a, you know, I don't do nutrition work. I think that's actually
1: quite secondary. I actually do values work and change. Gotcha. Okay. Not as fantastic because it's, it's all like uh, mindset training and the re retraining your brain to think about it differently. Right. Um, mm. So that's, that's really, really cool. That's cool. And then, yes. so you obviously, so it sounds like there were uh, some triggers there for you. So you said, you mentioned that you have experienced this worldview, right? You've experienced mm. that point of view. Um, and you also, I mean, clearly you have accomplished quite a lot, right? Because I mean, you've, you've gone to medical school, you've done finished that you have a career in medicine, um, that is not small potatoes. Right. Um, and oftentimes like, you know, your, your, your physical form sometimes can prevent you from doing certain things. Right. Do you feel like there was any fear, associated with you navigating the world, as you put it, in a larger body? Oh, yeah. Um, I was
0: not prepared for how appearance-focused medical school is. I was really surprised to find that all of my peers were the beautiful people. I I was quite shocked, actually. What medical school did you
1: go to, girl? I don't know. Maybe you didn't have
0: the same experience, but I was like, oh, my God, these people are all very lean. Um, and you know, there's all sorts of, there's all sorts of selection bias there and performance bias, medical school selection. I'm sure we could talk about forever. Um, but the, the idea of, you know, you're a big person and a big personality. And I had just spent a year working in, in Kabul in, in nonprofit work. And so I had just been, I was like kind of edgy, you know?
1: Ah, (laughs) Um, yes. I love it.
0: So I sort of was like, Oh, I'm really big for this space. I'm feeling it, you know? Oh, wow. uh, and then I went through a process of losing weight um, through a medically supervised program, um, through the help of, um, you know, therapy and coaching and pharmacology, uh, you know, a version of what I offer. Gotcha. Um, and the way that my peers experienced me in a much more straight sized body, a smaller body. Was um, quite revealing. I had changed, oh. I had changed weights many times throughout my life, but never right. as a medicine, never as a doctor. Yeah. Um, and my patients listened to me better, <laughs> and I, I, I had more authority as a thinner person, and I was t- treated uh, better by my colleagues as a thinner person. I was treated as someone who was more capable as a thinner. Wow. Person yeah yeah and I saw it I felt it It, it's real (laughs) it's very real so it happened to me a person with all the privilege in the world um then it's happening to to everyone who who's and and you know I've worked with now that I've shared that story I have um been invited to hear that story from all sorts of other people in larger bodies about their workplaces and how um weight stigma at work is uh what, you know, weight is like this, like sort of last acceptable way of discriminating against people. It's like, you can, you can, you can have thoughts and, and say things about people in larger bodies as though they are li- all lazy or all dumb. And, and like, that doesn't actually get questioned very much. <laughs> and so, wow! Um, and oftentimes you don't even know what's happening until you lose weight and that goes away. And you're like, Oh, wow. huh. <laughs> And, and so I saw that I felt that and uh, my body continues to change. I'm pregnant again.
1: My body will. will, Oh, congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Did that three times. That was interesting.
0: (laughs) You're like three times. Okay.
1: (laughs) No, no, no. It was was good. It was good. It was all good. Good good. And the humans that are a product of that, I guess they're going to be okay. (laughs) Are they adults now? Maybe, maybe no, 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 sorry. no, 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 no. Um, I had my children very late, so um, the oldest one is 13, and the youngest okay. is 10. Yeah, you're still actively parenting. Oh, oh yeah, very much so. Yeah. Yeah. But just not like, you know, little, little, you know, Not um, so exactly. Yeah. yeah. Everybody's potty chair. Everybody can make their own food. You know, everybody's kind of self-sufficient now, which is, which is huge. Um, because when you have three, you know, because they're so close in age, like when you have three all in like disposable underwear, it's, it's hard. But like, it but but then yeah, it it's like, like happens totally. very oh yeah yeah it's like you, you you double stroller and additional stroller or the double stroller and the carrier I mean it, yeah it was it was uh it was fun times fun times yeah, so yeah, but, but he, now but now they're all like you know they're big enough and they can go play outside together you know what I mean it's just it's just a different phase that's great yeah it's I look forward to it one day. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and let me tell you, you know, people told me this and I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. But like the uh, the saying that says that when you're in the phase where you're not getting any sleep, you know, you're changing all these diapers, all these things. You're like, oh, my goodness, my days are so long. Oh, this is so much. But then, you know, as soon as that's over, it's like whew, they're 13 years old. You know what I mean oh. like you blink your eyes that they're gone like that whole time so that's why I now I'd, I used to be very I think I think when we had them so close and they were all little at the same time I think that that phase was like a little bit of a blur because we were just in survival mode right but then once they got to the point where you know, they could kind of like, you know, they could go use a party on their own and they, they weren't as dependent. Um, then we started to really enjoy them. Right. And so, right. but so that's why I'm saying like, just just be mindful that that saying that it, the days are long when they are young and really, really short when as they get older, that is real. So, you know, it's like embracing eat right, embrace every every stage and, and, and enjoy it because it's before you know it, they're adults, mm. <laughs> they're gone.
0: <laughs> Well, and, and when you, your when your preparatory questions, we're looking at, you know, what is, what is fearlessness to you and, and mm-hmm. when have you been fearless? Mm-hmm. Honestly, I'm, I'm raising a daughter in this world mm-hmm. um, and she's going to be a big girl, right? Like I'm six feet tall and my husband's six, six, and we're big people. Oh, nice. Yeah. I mean, oh, a gift, a, a pure gift. Oh yeah. That's a huge gift. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But when you are in that body as an adolescent,
1: <laughs> it oh, is, yeah.
0: you know, it's a pressure cooker. People, people feel quite entitled to, to speak about your body and they don't know you and they comment right. and they say things like, oh, yeah. wow. And you're like, would I ever like to just blend in for five minutes? Um, and, and she's going to be even more markedly, you know, bigger than i than right I with want. the genes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, and I'm interested in creating this ability in her, or empowering her to say, "and," right? Right. Because I, I internalized every message. Like I was oh, an '80s, yeah, '90s right. kid, right? Where I was like, "Yeah, yeah." Oh, I'm, I'm enormous. Oh, well, I better not be enormous. <laughs> like you know, I, I just decided <laughs> oh, no. that they were right,
1: <laughs> oh, as opposed no. to
0: saying, uh, "No, that's very dumb that you would say that yeah, about me." I, exactly. I think we, I think our culture is shifting to celebrate this, like wider variety of size and to say you know we all belong here like ultimately the earth is much bigger than all of us so (laughs) indeed indeed um so my the reason i have stepped into this kind of space which is you know i call it the appetite clinic so i'm i'm running a virtual appetite clinic which hasn't been done is not being done is not a thing as far as (laughs) i can tell and I'm doing it to help shift our culture so that girls like my daughter feel completely at home in the world that they're in, which is like, yeah, I'm a big girl and awesome. I may, awesome. ign- I may not like sports <laughs> and that's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I happen to really quite enjoy sports.
1: I'm very lucky in that way, but maybe she won't, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. That's true. I mean. There's, I mean, so there are, you so, <laughs> bring up the height thing, it just reminds me of something like, so I'm not that tall, I'm five, seven, but my husband is six, three, and his dad was six, seven, and his grandfather was seven feet. So like, there's wow. a possibility that there could be tall kids in our family. I don't know, but uh-huh. my son is 13 and he's six feet tall. So, you know, and he's a big kid, you know, his body is yeah. thick. And so I can totally see what you're seeing there. And, you know, it's funny that you mentioned, you know, I kind of like teenage years, but I kind of saw where my son got treated differently for his size, even in, so they got homeschooled mainly because of this thing. So they mm. were, um, he was in preschool and they would bully him. Like all the kids would bully him because he was bigger than everybody else. He looked like he was about seven or eight, like he was tall. And he, he's was he was four. He was four. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, they just like try to, and he's a, a total, total soft um, hearted person. Right. So he doesn't he's a gentle giant. Yes, exactly. So he would not retaliate. They would provoke him. They would bully him. I mean, it was ridiculous. And so I think that and we were worried that that would affect him like in the long run and that it would get worse so ultimately we ended up homeschooling him and then the girls loved being in the homeschool environment and so everybody got homeschooled for like nine years because they literally just went to school this year you were a super parent No, my husband, my husband, my husband, my husband, my husband was the, was the miracle worker. (laughs) I I was the social studies and, um, social studies and, and ELA and, um, field trip person, but he did science and math and all the things. And so they did this for, you know, how many years, right. And then, so we moved here and then they went to school for the first time and Mm -hmm. You know, I I don't know. And now that you bring this up, it's very, I'm so, I'm going to say thank you to you because Hmm. we were trying to figure out why is he having, I mean, he's crushing the schoolwork. Like that's not an issue. Like he's killing that. But he's having this confidence issue, which we're like, why is he having a confidence issue? He has so many things going for him, but then he self-sabotages. And now I, I think I know why. I think he's still in that vein where he looks at himself And he looks at the other kids and I mean, the other 13 year olds are, you know, the majority of them are like lean and, you know, athletic or whatever. And he doesn't look like a typical athlete because he's a thicker kid. And, um, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. he's a good athlete, which is the crazy part. And so, you know, um, and I think he feels like maybe he's inferior and he has something to prove. And every time he steps into a room, he feels something to prove and he doesn't really know how to, to express that. And he, he doesn't express it in the most constructive way. (laughs) And so I think, right, right. He's still trying to figure things out. So, wow. Thank you. I think that that is probably the issue. Oh my goodness. That's crazy. We, well, and you know, this from,
0: from your training, we internalize messages about who we are really early. Yes. And like, even now my daughter's only two and a half, but she looks four or five and, you know four and five-year-old kids come up to her and like want to play with her and right she's kind of stared at them because she's kind of still a baby yeah and she's like <laughs> yeah yeah and so when you add I'm sure your son is in the same situation when you add sort of above average intelligence yes above average size and like but not maturity
1: to yes. match that yes
0: you need to grow, we need time to mature. Exactly. Um, and then there's this like real disconnect about like, who am I and where do I belong? And why do these people think all these things about me? Like, they don't even know me. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and, this is like such know?
1: a w- eye opener.
0: <laughs> wow. And I like imagine the disconnect. And, and of course the, the kids don't know, they, they can't process it like that right really I actually am only processing it for myself as a child in retrospect (laughs) because I'm like what happened (laughs) yeah um and and now I'm I'm seeing like oh like I just was experienced differently than the other kids my age I just I just was and and your son's dealing with that
1: right oh my gosh that's wild I I mean the girls the the girls not so much no no no. I mean I think that is just very much an enlightening um, piece of information because now I think about it the girls don't experience it because they're big for their age but tall tall and you know one is like really 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 muscular right really oh. lean and then the other one is just just she's just kind of like lean you know mm. but she's not really like muscular like the other one but he's more he's more thick mm. you know and, and he's always been like that probably
0: yeah and so yeah. and so genetics are huge right like the the whatever um whatever composition he's sort of looking at is going to be largely genetically determined and he's gonna go through puberty where yeah, and his muscle mass is going to be highly influenced by that process. And then right. he may come out 16 looking like quite a different boy. I um, think so. And then, sorry to say, people might think he's much older than he is again. And yeah. then he'll be experienced as a much older boy, and which is like problematic. Yeah. It's very problematic. And, you know, he's, yeah. he's a he's a black teen. And so mm-hmm. that's much more problematic than if he was. Oh, yeah. So I don't need, you obviously know this. Um, So, you know, there's, this is all part of it is the size piece of it. Oh yeah, Um, oh yeah. And, and, you know, this varies, right? So it's intersectional. So, you know, I'm a, I'm a big white woman. I get that. And, but there's layers to that and that if I was not a white woman, if it was something else, then, Mm -hmm. you know that would be experienced differently by society again. Sure, yeah. The ways in which I could behave would be constrained again. Yeah, right? oh, yeah, yeah, and absolutely. I know that. Um, so this, there's just this other piece of ways in which people are held down through size stigma. That oh, yeah. you know, for some people, it's it's really life altering. Um, for women in particular, it seems to be pretty life altering. Like women are are obsessed with keeping their bodies a certain way because they the size of their bodies is so connected to the value that they hold as people. And I think that that's a hugely problematic piece of, of the world. Oh, yeah. Ryan, you know, because imagine if all these girls spent all that time doing studying. literally anything else, <laughs> <laughs> studying, <laughs> right? Like literally anything. Doing science, doing dollars. like art, <laughs> doing something but else. Think, we would not have 77% <laughs> oh, pay goodness. on the dollar. We wouldn't have, we would have. That's right. You know, For certain negotiations, it would be much better. In the country. <laughs> yes. Yeah, because they wouldn't be spending all this freaking time on Instagram
1: being like, my body doesn't look like that body. Yeah, uh, gosh. it's, so, it's like so we're terrible. different.
0: Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah, indeed. Yeah. Indeed. And if you're born in a different part of the world, you know, being tall and wide is actually beautiful. <laughs>
0: yeah, so it's, it's, like, it's, like it's, it's just
1: really funny how that works.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I know I've traveled quite a bit and I've the ways that I have been perceived and experienced in some very remote places has been interesting. Obviously. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. So I then you're it. kind of like, Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and, and you just, you're like, I don't, I will never have the anthropology skills to unpack some of those experiences. I'm sure, <laughs> but, sure. but I, I remember, <laughs> you know, I, I spent some time living in Afghanistan and working for a nonprofit and, um, this idea that Western women, um, and this, this is true kind of in lots of different places in South Asia in Central Asia, like Western women inhabit like this third space. So there's this, there's like women from, from the region, there's men from the region, as we know, there's lots in between, but, but historically, um, and then Western women, because they inhabit so many ideals of, of what men are permitted to execute in those kinds of patriarchal cultures, like, Western women are like not really women they're because they're because we're a we're bigger um and like you know I am bigger than most women most of the women. men well and most of the them. men for from- me yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and um we're we're um and we we communicate differently because our culture has enabled that right sure. because yeah. feminism has enabled that whereas right. lots of women are living in places where those kinds of attributes like you know, the ability and the permission to speak have not been fostered and have right. not been allowed. So it's not like they're not capable. They're very, very capable. Oh yeah. Uh, it's, it's not allowed it's, to do it. The, yeah, the, the culture hasn't kept up or, or, or met them where they're at, in my opinion. Anyway, yeah, so I've been experienced as like not a real woman before because of my size and because I'm Western. So wow. It's fascinating.
1: That's yeah, interesting and mm-hmm. in those situations did you ever feel fearful like were you ever afraid you know I don't know if it I don't know if
0: like specifically related to my size but um yeah I would say like I I think I was working in Afghanistan as a as a like a, a non-governmental actor and not mm-hmm. as a party to any conflict and I was working not associated with any country and so there was an understanding at that time that um, I was not really a participant in the conflict and gotcha. that, it, that offered safety okay. um, to, to me. And I, I felt mostly safe.
1: Um, okay. the country has obviously changed sadly. I know happens. for, yeah, not so good. Oh my mm. gosh. Yeah. Now that, that had to be quite the experience, uh, being in Afghanistan though, like that's, mm. you know, when we were thinking about fear, um, yes.
0: I, I was never, when I left to, I left my, I left a very lucrative and steady job with the government of Canada after grad school to go to pursue this work. And um, basically it was helping um, connect the national donors. So like the government of Canada and the government mm-hmm. of the US to what actually needed to be accomplished on the ground. So like a midwifery program, a nursing program, building a hospital, like those. So my job was to liaise between the donor nation and the organization that I worked with to make sure that like, okay, the reporting is all being done and the the effort is being put in the right direction and you know all these principles of global public health. Um and okay I um you know I was so fortunate to work with these amazing people from Afghanistan who taught me so much about, you know, diplomacy, Sorry, <laughs> and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and 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 how to how to operate in those kinds of settings. And
1: yes,
0: um, I before I left, you know, all I really had to hang my hat on was, you know, Afghanistan's in in war. Like it's a right. there's war there. And yeah. so all of my family begged me not to go. And my uncle actually like called upon the memory of my deceased grandmother, who was like, Erna would just be so afraid for you if you oh, left. And I was gosh. like, that's a really bizarre plea. Uh, yeah, it but is. I'm gonna, I've got a job, so I'm going gonna- <laughs> to go now. Go. <laughs> go. So I, I, I went and I, you know, it's like, honestly, one of the most professionally fulfilling kinds of work I've ever done. Um, but right. I was told to be very, very afraid, like be very afraid. And then you arrive, yeah, you know, on a tarmac and you're like, well, you know, this is not that shocking. Yeah. There are right. certainly some buildings that are not standing and um, some parts of it look half built and some parts of it look half destroyed. It was hard to say gotcha. sometimes, but yeah. it was like a, you know, at least in the urban areas, there was like a functioning urban setup, just like yeah. almost anywhere you go in the world, what they tell you on the news is actually not. Oh, yes. Totally. Narrative, right. Like, you know, yeah.
1: the narrative is just like, oh, really? Well, it's yeah. always going to be sensationalized, too. Right. I mean, well, I mean, we know that there's tumult there now, obviously, it's but different. but yeah, you know um, what we get uh, from the news feed is always going to be the most dramatic and you know, they're not gonna like tell you that people still go to the store and buy their bread or buy their food. <laughs> That's exactly what I thought.
0: So I was like, well, people yeah. are still eating bread. It's the same as in, you know, Kiev right now. People are buying bread in Kiev. Like, yeah. you know, like yeah. people are, you know, people are, you know, getting water. I mean, they're and cautious, the but they're
1: still doing their things. Yeah. There's
0: children to be cared for. And like, people are so resilient and so incredible. And I, you know, you know, we're very fortunate to live in, in where we do and we're comparatively safe for now. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, but the idea of like not going anywhere and not exploring because of the fear,
1: I mean, we, why <laughs> that's yes. so small, you know, yeah, it does. It does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 At no, it's
0: my kid. If my 20 year old kid is like, Oh yeah, I'm going to go live in Afghanistan for a year. I'm going to be like, I like, it. well, yeah.
1: Well, depending on what situation is like at that point. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure your parents were like, Whoa, you know, so I, I, I get it. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Now that I'm a parent, I'm like, Oh, I can see why that was scary. Yeah. I yeah. can see that now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just a little bit. <laughs> oh my gosh. hey it's dr g and i just wanted to take a quick moment to thank you for listening to this episode i'm so honored to have you here with me did you know that i can help you to get your own podcast started with my podcasting launch course for professionals i walk you through everything you need to know about starting a podcast i'm with you every step of the way from sign up to launching your show with five episodes ready to go. There's a done-for-you version that's also available. If you would just rather just do recordings and leave the the behind-the-scenes work up to us, then that one is definitely for you. But either way, we've got your back here at Fearless Freedom with Dr. G. Oh, if you already have a show and you need production services, we have monthly plans available for you. So check out the links in the episode show notes for more information. Let's get back to the show. So you have to tell, you know, tell the audience about how they can participate
0: in your program. Yeah. So I offer uh, my program through a self-study digital course, and you can get that at drashleywhite.com forward slash programs. And I also offer an eight-week coaching program that includes the course where I follow you intensively uh, and support you from a metabolic health perspective, as well as teach you a system of creating these eating experiences that are really values aligned. Um, And we're coming out with some other offers including a community where people who um you know may have a limited budget have access to the work that we do um and so I would probably just say pop over to my website
1: and sign up for the newsletter and we'll
0: we'll we'll let you know when that's
1: ready and just so that everybody is clear Ashley is spelled a-s-h-l-e-y and white is as the color is spelled just so that they don't like try to find it and, and then try the to put a most, Y there or missing out, uh, you know, I- all kinds yeah. of, all kinds of things there. So that's I why have the, most I have the most basic name things. and I still have to spell it every time. Yeah, yeah, no, you do. I mean, it's truth. It's just like, yeah. just, uh, so there's no, you know, nobody has to get redirected to the wrong space. You're going to go to the right place. So definitely, definitely mm. check out, um, her website and, uh, hit her up for, uh, coaching if that's something that you need. Um, mm. yeah, no, that's awesome. And you know, it's uh man. And so, so you were in Afghanistan for that time. Mm. And so how long were you there for? How many years? A year. Spent a year One there. One year?
0: Okay. Yeah. yeah.
1: And, and then, then you mentioned some places. Went
0: right to medical school
1: after that. Oh, I see. Gotcha. 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 Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And cause you've mentioned that you have gone to places where your height and size was like, um, a huge, hugely lauded thing. And so, it was, um, this is a subject of where, where, conversation. Where, where was that? Like, where were you? Yeah. So, um, during
0: my undergraduate degree, I actually did some research looking at how women in a certain part of Northeast India participate as politicians. Um, and so I was in like the far Northeast of India, like on the border of Nepal, border of Bangladesh, border of China, okay. really, really remote. Yeah. Um, and there are folks who have adapted to largely mountain living. Yeah. And so they, they just tend to be smaller, which yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and then I've, you know, I spent a lot of time kind of all over, I've been to Southeast Asia and, and Central Asia and um, the stands, Tajikistan and that kind of thing. Um, yeah. And then, you know, I go, you know, spend some time in, in Holland and they're like, they just, like Oh, you're time.
1: just a regular person. <laughs> <laughs> they're
0: just like, oh hello. In and Holland, you're and like oh it's like a
1: person like yeah,
0: yeah. you look well, like my cousin like <laughs> I'm from there and I'm like I have no I, I have no idea what you're saying <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. Um, yeah but then in you know I'm pretty average size in in, in parts of Europe where
1: like women are, are just much taller right? yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah
0: mm-hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. yeah it's 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 really funny and it's I like how you mentioned that you know they're mountain folk so of course their bodies are gonna adapt to that right like that that's what happens right your 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 skin your your body habitus everything adapts to for you to survive in your area where you are and so it's just so funny
0: (laughs) yeah and we like it's like when you, when you make some fun of someone's size, which is like probably 70% genetically determined when you look at the data, Absolutely. you're making fun of the way that they've adapted to the mm-hmm. environment over millennia yeah. and your earth, or whatever, you know, since the onset of our species, but then you're like, you're, you're making fun of evolution in my yes. opinion.
1: Yeah. yeah. And
0: you're like, well, why would you do that?
1: <laughs> well, nothing, yeah, just remember though, that a lot of times people are doing that, even are doing it unconsciously because something that they've been used to doing, right? Mm. Or they, they really don't put much thought into it, right? They're not thinking about it to that level, you know, they just no. don't have
0: the ability to do that. <laughs> so. No. so that's the invitation is that so. we actually just get super curious about this kind of thing, right? Yeah, we like should. When, when you hold yourself to account for being, you know, size, whatever, like, what, what are you holding yourself accountable for? And, yeah. and what would it mean to give yourself some grace? And and what would it look like to actually eat in a way that honored yourself? Um, and And actually, it's possible that you're already doing that, but you're holding yourself to some completely unattainable standard. And that's introducing all this distress and stress in your life that maybe you don't even need. What if you just let it go? What would that look mm. like?
1: Mm. And
0: a lot of people need a lot of
1: support. To answer those questions, I believe that. I believe that. That's a tough set of questions. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. Those <laughs> introspective questions are always uh, um, sharp, cutting. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: There, but like, ooh, what if? What if we could do that? Um, right. But here's the thing about fear, right? Is is like, I love that this is the subject of the work that you're doing because it's all perspective, like. Yes. You know, you probably remember your first solo code as a staff. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. And you were like, well, yeah, yeah. yeah. Ah, <laughs> I'm going to have all the
1: answers here.
0: Okay.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. People <laughs> looking at me like, oh, what are you doing yeah. there?
0: <laughs> and then five years later, you're like, huh, oh, this is boring. <laughs> yeah. Hang on.
1: Very uh, protocol driven. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's, it is funny how life works out like that. Are you still
0: practicing? Um, oh yeah, I work now? full time. Mm-hmm. Oh. So, so do
1: you get, are you afraid anymore? Um, I will tell you the things that scare me. Um, I am very afraid when I have a very sick child and we have a, a, a sick pediatric case or we have a pediatric code. Those things make me very afraid and nervous, but I think that's true for everybody. Even seasoned pediatric specialists, right? I think nobody's going to get used to that. Like that is always very fear, you know, inducing and makes everybody nervous with good reason, right? Last Uh, I was working
0: last week, and and the charge nurse came over and she was like, "Oh, hey, heads up, we've got a code pink coming out of L and D. Oh no, we think in the next whatever twenty minutes." And I'm just like
1: of course because then you're like all right okay well, grab the disc like, grab the this, the that, like make sure you have all the things ready like oh yeah. i don't know yeah you know, like all these things
0: yeah. you're like oh. oh my god like oh that's the worst case scenario <laughs> it is like, oh who's coming with me
1: <laughs> right exactly <laughs> and, okay, and support like
0: everyone's kind of like i really don't want to go um and then but yeah like i would say that should be relatively scary hmm of us um but at the same time you know you're sitting in that fear you're like oh I'm definitely this is a high intensity situation
1: oh yeah um and I you know I'm not in it often right right I, I don't imagine that, well, happens, that no so. no none of us really are in it often which <laughs> no, you know is, is thankful sure. but at the same time it doesn't make you it doesn't make you um comfortable when it happens right you're still like you still like have to go through in your mind, like, okay, make sure that I'm dotting my T's I and mean, dotting my I's and crossing my T's and you know, everything is in order for this child. Um, so yeah, it still makes you do that, like, mm-hmm. and then get a second person to check what you're doing, you know? So it's, it's, it becomes very much a team effort, like yeah. more so than any other scenario in the department. Um, that one, for certain that, and also, you know, if we have a delivery that's, you know, complicated or whatever have you, which does happen. um, Mm -hmm. So that, you know, so those are the scenarios where, you know, there's a life and, and a whole entire future of a person involved.
0: That's it. Cause you feel that, right. You feel the way you feel like I need to carry you through this tough spot here. Oh yeah. It's possible that because you're in this spot, it may not work out. Right. Yeah. And then the idea of like talking to their parents about yes. what happened yeah. and then the idea of then going home to your own kids yes, and being like, oh, it is such a precious time.
1: Oh, <laughs> yes. I mean, it, that oh. is so true. That is so much the truth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's um. so when you and ask me, what am I afraid parent. of? That's it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then like, okay,
0: I just went through this horrible experience at work and most of the time thank goodness most of the time it's fine um and then and that but then you have to like contemplate outcomes that sure are not ideal and right. then you want to go home and you want to be a normal parent yes and you don't want to be a helicopter parent right or uh, have you heard of the concept of the snowplow parent have you heard of this no what is this one Yeah. So this is the new version of the helicopter parent, which is where you, um, you snowplow ahead of your kid. And so that you remove all of their problems and like all you plow the snow out of the way so that they don't even know there was a problem. That's not good. (laughs) You're not even hovering over them, watching them solve the problem. Right. You're just creating a world where there are no problems. That's Um, not good. Oh, that's horrible. Oh my God. (laughs) right but like you can see the instinct if you're like oh my god life is so fragile i must protect you um indeed the instinct to just like clamp it all down um and you just you know letting go of that instinct and and being free from that instinct is is
1: hard (laughs) it's hard wow yeah no i can see how that can be very problematic though for them because like you know they really do have to have some struggle. Like they and and even now we have a difficult time because we're thinking about, well, how can we make them actually experience struggle? Because I mean they're in a good spot, right? They have two professional parents and you know they have a very nice lifestyle, but they still need to understand that there's struggle in this world and they still need to understand that there are problems to be solved. And if They don't do that. If they don't figure out ways to solve their problems, they're not going to be functional adults. And we don't want that.
0: (laughs) No, because they'll be living with you forever.
1: Right, (laughs) which we don't want. I mean, we love them and everything, but we like- Um, I mean, with the cost of housing
0: these days, maybe- maybe Well, maybe
1: some, maybe like, I don't know, but it's temporary usually, uh, but not uh, like, you know, because they have got to, like, they're so dependent, not so much because of a necessity, right? yeah so So, yeah no The
0: joy of being like hey I solved that
1: I did that on my own yes right like I would imagine you
0: know I'm assuming you don't come from from like a long line of physicians Um, and first one yeah me too and then you like there's like a a remarkable sense of accomplishment that's like I figured this out yeah and I did it you know and I want my kids to know that feeling of like I freaking tried real hard (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. I got rejected three times you know or two times I got in on my third time yeah and I was like you know later life 28 when I got into med school
1: and I like was serious about it I was like this is
0: real this is real stuff well well, the thing
1: the thing that's interesting about what you just said too is like I remember I mean I went in I went, I got in when I was in college, like it was like an early program thing, but I also knew like what I was doing, what I was going to do from the onset. Like I tried to get in, in high school, but I didn't. And so I tried the second way. Um, but what I'm saying is when I went to medical school though, the people who did really, really well and were very like focused were the 27 year olds and 28 year olds who had already had careers who now were, you know, doing medicine as their second career, which sounds kind of crazy, you know, but they but they understood it, right. And so I think there's a lot to be said for that, right, because you've gone out, you've experienced the world, you have real life experience, and then now you're bringing that to the table. And I don't know why. I don't know why it would even be a thing that you would not have gotten in the first, t- first go around.
0: Oh, it's super, it's very competitive in Canada. Um, and you know, I think it all worked out honestly. Oh yeah, obviously,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> you know, like I'm, but yeah, no, and it, well, it, what I think it did was it, it made me realize that like, I, I was a very good candidate the first time it was very good candidate, the second and third time. Yes. Um, but it made me realize that the first and second time is kind of a lottery
1: really. Oh, it's, okay. Honestly, it. it's
0: kind of like, you know, I w I wouldn't take it super personally that I didn't get in. I, I actually okay, think it gotcha. has more to do with the fact that, um, like the profession itself is, is highly gate, gatekeep gate kept, which is gotcha. good probably. Yeah, um, yeah. and, um, and that's what I say to people who do get rejected. Like I'm, I'm a, I love sharing the story that I did not get in two times. Um, because I think it's important. Um, and then also like you not getting in may have nothing to do with you. Like, sure, uh, assume it does and work really hard to fill things out if it's absolutely. what you want. Yeah. But also consider like, y- you know, this may not be the path, and that may not have anything to do with your own deficits. Um and th- and that's okay, right? Yeah, There's yeah. lots of ways to do interesting work. Um, and having um, the, the physician identity is, um, you know, one that I certainly value and, and I, I love my role and what I get to offer through that role. Um, and it, it's helped me become a better person. Um, but there are other identities that I am building out to help me, you know, cope with the fact that being a physician can be really, really challenging. Um, and that burnout, May, may actually be stitched into who we are <laughs> ultimately. And it may not be a failure of resilience because I, I think that probably en masse, we are among the most resilient because of what we see mm. um, and what they make us do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Which is bananas. Uh, and so, you know, keeping a wide net you know i'm i'm in a, a training program to be a life coach which i know i know sounds very frivolous and no, very like doesn't uh, okay thank you <laughs> um, <laughs> but like the the idea like coaching the skill of coaching is yeah. one where you assume that the person you're working with has all everything they need they have all the skills and aptitudes they would ever require to create change and that all change is possible at all times right which is this beautiful Way of approaching really hard things in in life, and it is the opposite of what we do in medicine, which is to Correct. dispense advice at yes. all terms. Yes, yes, <laughs> and do. to adopt a position of authority. You know? Yeah,
1: yes, truth. Yeah, no, that's good. No, that is uh, that's real. That's real. And and life coaching, yes, that's a really good thing. It's what's much needed. I think more and more physicians are actually starting to do that become life coaches, which is great because, because it will, it impacts not only like, you know, if you're doing it for your clients outside of medicine, but it's also impacts your patients. Right. I mean, if you're able to implement some of the techniques that you are learning from the life coaching, um, curriculum, you're going to be able to have a better experience for your patients. So yeah, it's good. It's a good thing all around. Yeah. Yeah. Totally.
0: um,
1: Awesome.
0: Yeah. Thanks for having me. This is really fun. yeah 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 yeah. so we have to do
1: our were you gonna say something oh no no go for it oh okay I was gonna say that um we are gonna do our tradition I know you said that you looked at the questions and so it is a fill in the blanks I don't worry you'll you'll be fine if you didn't look at him yeah (laughs) you're fine all right so the first one is the first one is um if I am fearless I will honor my appetite okay All right. And that, um, I think that could be taken multiple ways, huh? I got you. All right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. And the next one is to me, fearless freedom means, um, I get to share everything. Nice. Nice. And then the last one is my battle cry is devour life. Ooh devour life that's with food that's with uh wow so that's this oh I love that that's great Mm -hmm. my my logo is a lioness oh is it really yeah oh nice yeah I love that this idea
0: of like of of course I'm hungry of course I'm gonna go get that yeah of course I'm gonna go eat that you know this like just like Honoring that a that reward drive, that motivation yeah. drive. It's everything. It's why we're here as a species. Um, and then also saying, No, I will not apologize for taking my share. I will not do that.
1: Oh, amen. And, yeah. So it's about <laughs> it's about the food, but it's like, yeah, yeah, beautiful. but it's like life too, right? It's like, oh uh, mm-hmm. yeah, no, I'm not mm-hmm. gonna say sorry for that. Nah, no, I'm not. <laughs> Yeah,
0: you, see, you seem like a person, or like, you know what I mean when I say that people have, have asked for apologies at times when they, they're not necessary, you know? Well, you know, and I think,
1: and, and I wonder, like, how much of it is, like, gender-related or gender training? The reason oh, why I say that is because, you know, it's always like, oh, I'm so sorry, I shouldn't say something, or I'm sorry, I, and and then, you know, another situation is like, no, there's no apology, just just do it. And there's no apology. Just barge take in the and there's no apology, right? Whereas you even like touch somebody, like you're walking by and you barely touch them. Oh, I'm so so sorry. I touched you. Like, what? Yeah. No, I'm not sorry. I belong here. <laughs> you sound so Canadian. <laughs>
0: That's how we are. It's ridiculous.
1: Yeah, I okay. beho- I'm gonna
0: take this space up. I'm I'm this is I'm gonna take this space. It's my space. I'm doing that. And I'm not gonna shrink. Um that's that's the whole point I
1: think no it's super important